0: Finney was the first and only person to inflate Bitcoin. Um, he added, you know, six decimal, six more spaces, six more zeros, as far as how many units there are. Um, and because of that change, they had to redefine, I think, that's why they did the coin equals thing.
1: You're listening to the Wake Up Podcast with Alex Fetsky. The place where the most dynamic thinkers and practitioners in the world drop truth bombs, and contrarian viewpoints to help you become the best version of yourself. Find us on the Fountain app and send us a boost with a comment. You're tuning in to the Wake Up Podcast. Episodes 5 is the first episode of a two-part series with John Carvalho. This has been a highly anticipated one. He is a Bitcoin OG and the founder of Synonym. And in this first episode, we discuss some unpopular opinions. Things like, there are no free markets, Bitcoin is not divisible, all scaling debates base someone, the reverse canton effect, we get into hard forks versus soft forks, and a whole lot more. You can follow John's work at Bitcoin Error or at Synonym underscore two. Remember to subscribe to the Wake Up podcast. Remember to rate us enjoy the show all righty and welcome to another episode of the wake up podcast and i finally have uh mr john cavallo on he's a uh, bitcoin og he's the the godfather i think of the name bcash and um, and the and the founder of synonym dude thank you for joining me
0: hey thanks for having me i did not Was it you? B-cash. you did not okay um, okay i okay. probably i probably popular popularized it but i definitely wasn't the first one to say it. Okay, I, I thought it just you might have emerged on twitter
1: It was a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Um, Dude, there's, um, we spoke offline really quickly about the things I want to run through. So I think most people, my guess is might know you as a little bit of the, the unpopular opinions guy, particularly with those good morning tweets that you were doing for a little while. I mean, I haven't seen those for a while. Was that kind of like a little thing that you sort of went through and now you're busy with synonym or. Talk
0: me through that. Uh, I do them off and on. I actually did them for almost, I did them, it started by like just, I did a few and then I did them for 30 days in a row. And that was in mm-hmm. like November <laughs> or October, somewhere in there. And then okay. got, I was like, my mission was to get 30 days in a row done. um And it got a little hard, got a little difficult towards the end, but I got it. And then I just kind of like took a break because it was actually really stressful the first time around. A lot of people got triggered about a lot of things. And mm-hmm. I think part of it, like, a lot of people thought I was, like, engagement trolling and just mm-hmm. trying to, like, get, like, they, they, they thought I was, like, not serious and I didn't believe the things I was saying. Mm-hmm. But the trick was that, like, the first round that I did it, I just said the thing as a fact and I didn't give any explanation. Like, I would mm-hmm. just say something mm-hmm. like, Bitcoin is not immutable. Like, mm-hmm. Good morning, Bitcoin is not immutable. And people mm-hmm. would be like go crazy and get pissed off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I would wait for people, I kind of did it like for Socratic purposes. Like I thought people would, I wanted people to say, to either try to guess why I, I was saying that and, and be right, or to argue why I was wrong so I could show why I was right. Um, just to kind of you know, spar basically. <laughs> and it worked it worked pretty well um but it was pretty stressful because people got pretty pissed and you know it's hard to like argue on the internet and what i I would always give people at least an hour after i posted of my time to just like respond Mm -hmm. um sort of like ask me anything and and i just would make sure i was there to respond because people would also get pissed if i didn't respond Mm -hmm. um and so uh then i just trickled them for a while because i just thought you know what i hate twitter like it's just every time mm-hmm. i tweet i feel worse after mm-hmm. um, <laughs> mm-hmm. like this is not a healthy place and i obviously am still addicted and still there um but uh i trickled made a few here and there and really i just kind of realized that all my tweets are good morning tweets for the most mm-hmm. part like they're all like just kind of stating some kind of perspective on something and getting kind of in a way all tweets are this They're kind of like people are just like taking an idea putting it out there seeing if people accept it share it mutate it uh refute it it's like a it's like a it is a sparring system in my opinion it it is a place for debate whether people like it or realize it or not it's a big competition of, of ideas um, which is a good segue to what we'll talk about later. Uh, and then about a, a month ago, I actually did another month in a row. Um, okay. maybe, maybe I only did three or four weeks, three weeks. Shit. Not four, I, four I would
1: have missed that. I was off Twitter for a little bit, so I would have missed the whole thing.
0: Yeah, it's okay, but this time, uh, I, I like took the time to explain the whole idea every time. Okay. so it's mostly tweet threads, like where I do like a tweet storm of like three to to eight tweets, you know, about the topic. And I, so I redid some of the old topics as well to kind of Make sure, because now I started getting tired of explaining myself because people mm-hmm. would keep bringing it up on Twitter and say, oh, well, John, Bitcoin error log doesn't think that that's true. You know, and they tag me and I'd be like, oh, shit, now I have to explain <laughs> this shit again. <laughs> and it would happen like every few days where somebody would like tag me as and attribute me to like this, this unpopular idea. And I had no reference for it other than the good morning tweets, which was just mm-hmm. like one, one statement. And a mm-hmm. bunch of arguing and nobody could read the threads of arguing. They either wouldn't, wouldn't or it was actually kind of difficult to find the gems inside. And so this time I just put the whole thing almost like blog posts mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot less arguing. A lot more people just liking it, retweeting it and, and just accepting it. Um, so a big, big, it was really good, interesting learning experience to see how if you just put something out there, like really, really simple and controversial, people will just hate you and they won't accept it but if you explain yourself you know and and make make a thesis about it and and i guess respect your audience um they will much more likely accept it and adopt it as an idea and could be the culture changed since then too like you know we weren't those were doing like bull times the first time and everybody was like you know uh euphoric but these were kind of like doing like down times and things changed and so maybe i think context audience, i don't know maybe
1: I, I actually think context has a bigger role to play there because when you when you when you wrap any statement in context you know i, I also of...
0: blocked and muted all the people that were cruel too so like that could be another Sorry. reason <laughs> <laughs> i
1: think i think beauty On's probably the most like liberal blocker in the world and then like followed by safety yeah I, 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 we really intentionally
0: sure. don't talk to each other i've never spoken to him in like years but I think we both realize that like we can't talk to each other. Like if we, we, we we've tried to interact a little bit on Twitter and it's like neither of us is ever going to back down. And so I respect his perspective. And so I leave him alone and I think he's doing the same thing.
1: I think you two, your perspective is relatively similar anyway. I mean, you know, yeah. do, do, where, where do you think could you guess where the where the lines diverge?
0: I honestly only recently re-followed him because I thought maybe it was time again. Um, Mm -hmm. Enough time had passed, but if I remember, he's a little more extremist in on some things and not Mm -hmm. nuanced on some things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, like I, I am a little more abstract about some Mm -hmm. things and more Mm -hmm. like I don't want to say rational because I don't think he's irrational. I think that. I just I try to be more abstract or, or metaphysical about the way mm-hmm. I look at things, mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. he's maybe more anarchist or or militant about his views. He's, yeah,
1: he's definitely anarchist and militant, two words definitely come to mind. Um about Beauty on um, well, I'm
0: speaking ignorantly. I, I haven't really followed him lately. So yeah. no, no,
1: he's he's a fucking legend. I, I really respect him. There's um, you know, he's one of those people who I mean I'm kind of placed him in the same camp as you know, you and Francis, who are like kind of early Bitcoiners who 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 understood it without like cuz i feel like a lot of the early class of bitcoin people you know turned into basically copies of eric Voorhees and they just went down the the shitcoin rabbit hole because it was it was easy and then just something to me about an individual's character like and and eric is one of those people who like he genuinely understood fucking bitcoin he wasn't stupid like he fucking got it but what was it about his character as a human being that you know, makes him sit there and try and do mental gymnastics to justify his shitcoinery as something moral. Like, it's, it's really fucking weird. Man. So,
0: I don't know. I think there are two kinds of people. And I said this in a past podcast, but it's relevant here. Um, there are people who want to, like, produce and contribute and be a part of society and make the world a better place for the human race, you know, more adaptable, whatever. And there are people who are exploit. And they strictly Mm -hmm. only care about competing and they'll compete at any cost. Um, And so I I think he's an exploiter. And so I don't think he's here to produce anything for people or serve. You're not here to make a product or a service. He's here to exploit people. And I I think that's the core difference. I I mean, I
1: generally agree with that. I just feel like his early sentiments were different. I don't know, Um, but... I mean, who am I? I? I I don't know him personally, so I could be wrong on that. But it but it seemed like he was early... actually the
0: first person I ever spoke to in Bitcoin.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. I I, Did... I, uh, I I I found Satoshi Dice, and I saw that he was selling a security, and I I DM'd him, and I was like can't couldn't you scam everybody with this like isn't this kind of like don't you have like a loophole here where because you run the service and the security and it's gambling that you could just use all the money to to gamble and get all the profits you either win by gambling or lose by gambling and you get Mm -hmm. benefit either way and he was like yes technically that's true but i have no he's, he's like i will pay i will pay bitcoin to anyone that can give me a way to prove that i'm not doing that that was his angle that, that was the first the first conversation i had to a okay one. interesting all right that brings a different light on things scam busting mm. from moment one from, yeah from day <laughs> one
1: <laughs> <laughs> fuck okay that's a that's a really nice anecdote um yeah cuz i i guess my early vision of him was that he was like a you know libertarian who you know actually gave a fuck about something and you know bitcoin's principles were what sort of drew him in and, and maybe it's kind of like a halfway case. Who knows? Anyway, yeah, fuck Eric. This isn't a this isn't a podcast about Eric. Boys. So what's let, let me let's go back to these unpopular opinions. So you started off with just the you know the the soundbite, then you went with these threads. So so maybe we can expand some of those into a discussion here uh, and uh, do that. So do you do you remember off the top of your head what some of them were that? either triggered people the most or got the most praise that were, you know, I guess unpopular to give it that kind of train.
0: Yeah, two immediate things come to mind. One is because we were talking about Eric Borges, I don't know if I did a good morning tweet about this one, but it is kind of a, an unpopular opinion slash theory of mine, which is I don't believe in free markets. I don't think they mm-hmm. exist. I don't think it's a real thing. Like I think markets are defined by their rules and so thus like you can't have a free market because markets are about establishing like like rules of negotiation or you know it's it's what is the game what game are we playing and we are both agreeing to play this game under what protocol like Mm -hmm. you know like I'm going to give you the money you're going to give me the food. Like, mm-hmm. these, this is like a fair trade. And if you don't give me the food, then you're not playing the game fairly and I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, mm-hmm. this is like, th- there's no free markets. There's like repercussions for not following the rules. It just depends on whether the mules are strictly defined mutually or defined by an authority.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and so you, you can't have a market without rules. Like, there's just, there's just no such thing. Um, that's not really so much about Bitcoin. It's mm-hmm. more abstract again, but it's like, this is when people don't think about like, I I, I say the physics of things, like what's actually, what the physical limits are of an idea, they end up with stupid justifications and stupid designs. And this is Eric Voorhees, for example, like he will equivocate and he'll say like, why won't you let me make this shit coin like free markets, bro? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And it's mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. like you can't just say free markets as some kind of magic pass. Tennessee, yeah. Do things that that harm people. Like, Like, it's like, He's saying he free markets, but then like he's using the violence of the government to get protection uh, mm-hmm. within the markets that they are enforcing. And then if he didn't have that protection, he would probably be dead already because somebody he wronged probably would have found him and killed him. And killed him. Like, exactly. So it's like, totally. it, 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 there's just no such thing. He, what he's saying is he wants to be able to act without consequence. That's what he's really trying mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not the same thing as, as a market concept. Anyway, um, the most controversial i would say and maybe there was probably one or two that had like more replies than this one but this Mm -hmm. is the one that keeps coming up over and over and over and it's that bitcoin is not divisible um and this one is a really hard one for people to accept and for people to grok but i wholly believe it's true i have had conversations with multiple you know developers smarter than me core developers etc um and they can't really refute it um but they don't like it either and so they won't they, they'll only say this to me in private they won't say it on twitter i even had a phone call adam back about this where he was like i understand what you're saying but and then you know but he only says the but part on twitter he won't say i understand what you're saying on twitter <laughs> um and so this is a very tricky one because it gets conflated with the francis Coppola pizza uh divisible pizza argument i had to go back and read it because she might have actually been right but i just i would never like care to like make that my argument because they'll just turn people off that's not the point the point is that like bitcoin first of all like the the decimal place that, that defines the denomination one bitcoin that doesn't actually exist in any special or enforced way it's just it's just a um aesthetic dot that's placed on the user interface it does exist in the code in one place, um, but it's not any sort of enforced thing. It's just it just defines the denomination as coin equals, and and I think it does this because uh, somebody would might have to correct me and research this, but I think it's because at some point. Um, Bitcoin actually only had two quote-unquote decimal places, and Hal Finney proposed adding the other ones. And so technically, uh, as you'll see by the end of this explanation, Hal Finney was the first and only person to inflate Bitcoin. Um, he added, you know, six decimal, six more spaces, six more zeros, at, as far as how many units there are. Um and because of that change, they had to redefine, I think, that's why they did the coin equals thing, because of, because of the way the mining rewards were calculated, needed to be factored in with this change. There might be some other caveat there as to why this happened, but this is the only place that the decimal exists, a concept at all, is just to was, define a denomination.
1: Okay, was that, was that change, like, forgive my ignorance here, was that like a, an early BIP or something like that? that
0: he no no it was way really really early it's half any time so it's like probably the first year of bitcoin there there were no bips back then as far as I know. Mm-hmm. it um, was just what it was, him going back it was and forth just like Satoshi, yeah basically, just or... like yeah like the the three or five people that were working on bitcoin going back and forth and saying hey we're going to need more divisibility here mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. something like this uh, again you'd have to research it to verify these things i i'm told this from other people i didn't research it myself mm-hmm. um, but this doesn't change the idea the idea is basically that the satoshi the base unit that is the only base unit and because bitcoin uses integers and, not, and it doesn't actually use the floating point or, or any sort of concept of divisibility it just uses whole units um, you can't actually add more zeros to bitcoin uh, more, more you can't divide it further more decimal places because there is no decimal is a concept so the only way you can actually divide bitcoin and have more decimals is technically to multiply bitcoin and thus break the sacred 21 million limit so you'd have to make it 210 million to add to add one decimal place you have to make you know 210 million bitcoin would have to be the result um and the way that core developers justify this and don't they just simply don't explain it this way. They say, well, if it was given proportionally to everybody, what's the difference? They say, you know what I mean? Like if, if before you had one Bitcoin and now you have 10, do you really care if we've multiplied how many Bitcoin there are, right? They assume mm-hmm. the answer is no. But the problem is no matter, and this is another uh, good morning tweet, every single form of scaling debases somebody in the, in the user base. And so you can't add scale to Bitcoin without debasing at least one type of user or one role within the Bitcoin ecosystem. Um, and, And basically these debasements are risks that you take in order to improve scale to get more users or more throughput. So more transactions or more users. And that's kind of the gamble that you take every time you change Bitcoin and every time you scale Bitcoin. Like for example, if you raise the block size, you have more overhead and you have more expense to running Bitcoin and you have more cost to having a server and thus you make a certain, you basically eliminate the lowest level of the poor from being able to say, start a business on Bitcoin or run their own node, et cetera. Um, But the trade-off is that you get to have more transactions and you get to have more mining fees, you you know, you get to have more throughput. Um, But if you don't fill those blocks, you're actually just adding more cost to Bitcoin, right? And so until you, so the, what I'd say is any, any, any scale is debasement until it is fully realized. You have to fully fulfill that scale. And then it's no longer debasement because now you've added more, more users to offset and there's more value into the system. And so you've, spread, you've distributed the costs, you know? Um, and that's kind of so, like a
1: that's kind of like a cantillon effect in a sense, right? So the advantage starts sort of early and then It's kind of the opposite.
0: Out. It's the okay. opposite because the risk is to the current user base mm-hmm. and the advantage mm-hmm. is to mm-hmm. the new users. And so if you don't bring new users and new transactions that wouldn't have happened otherwise, you mm-hmm. are putting the overhead on the existing user base. Okay, so, so reverse cantillon. It's kind of the opposite. Yeah um and and it's just in general every change to bitcoin is a risk so it's always the current user base that's taking the risk not not any potential ones the potential ones aren't bitcoiners um the the canceling effect of bitcoin is in being there early and Mm -hmm. being able to you know appreciate and value but this is offset by scaling so you have to be Mm -hmm. careful like if the scaling doesn't night the scaling would have to provide some sort of exponent scale to be able to increase your value as an early adopter. Um, and that's, that's another tricky thing because you can't have the whole world on Bitcoin. It actually doesn't scale to that degree. That's this is another good morning topic that people don't like is that Bitcoin doesn't scale. <laughs> um, uh, so b- b- yeah. before, we, okay, before we get
1: there, can I just ask one thing about the integer thing that you mentioned? Um, is that integer that you're mentioning about Bitcoin, the whole number, is that the Satoshi or is that the Bitcoin? That is the whole. It's, in
0: other words, the the, the 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 system. What the system enforces, what the protocol enforces, is the total quantity of integers. It says mm-hmm. there can only be two point one quadrillion units. Okay, cool. So that's, that's the full that's number. Right. Okay. Yeah, and so in order to have more decimal places, you would have to have twenty point one quadrillion mm-hmm. units, mm-hmm. and and it, which is which is the same thing as saying if I wanted to have more Bitcoin, I would need to have twenty one point. I mean, sorry, yeah, you know, twenty point whatever it is, uh, 21.0 uh, quadrillion units is that accurate. But so you can't, um, you can't divide Bitcoin, basically. It is the number set that it is. And if you want to make it more numbers, you, you're, you're saying, okay, I have this many numbers and now I want this many numbers. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's no dividing. It's not a concept because what the protocol enforces is the total quantity of integers. That's what it enforces. It doesn't enforce whether you divided one of them. There's no concept of division. And the only way to to have a concept of division and dividing Bitcoin is actually all of the proposals and ideas that people have for doing this. What they actually amount to is adding support for a second asset in Bitcoin and then adding some sort, of, some sort of conversion mechanism and enforcement mechanism for converting that asset to another asset, basically saying one Satoshi equals 1,000 of this asset and having mm-hmm. some, some way of managing <laughs> the system back and forth.
1: That's actually what I was going to ask you. So so w- would it not make sense at some point, I guess? So, So basically, so let me take a step back here. We've got phantom division going on at the moment because the fact that there's 21 million Bitcoin is just a, uh, a cosmetic a layer, yeah, okay, that sits over the top. In reality, we have two point one quadrillion um satoshis, Units. which is really yeah. the, the real number. Um, now, if we wanted to increase that later, it would have to be some sort of abstracted version of creating effectively cents to a dollar, um, and this abstracted coin would have to well, basically peg in some way ways to, to the unit.
0: Yeah. Well, we've mentioned two ways. One way would just be to multiply the quantity of units. Mm-hmm, I, would, mm-hmm. I, I probably would require a hard fork. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not an expert on this, but probably would require a hard fork just to change because hard forks are when you break the rules. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. the magic numbers of Bitcoin, as they're so called, you know these these fixed arbitrary numbers like the block size, the the uh, quantity of units these are hard-coded and so to change them Mm -hmm. you have to break the rule and so you probably would need a hard fork so all kinds of huge risks just with that alone Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and and then the other the alternative is to create some sort of phantom asset as you say and so an example of a creation of a phantom asset there already is one it's called millisats on the lightning network and mil- mm-hmm. and it, and honestly, every version of doing this would have s- probably have some similarity to millisats, and that millisats has an aspect of trust to it. Mm-hmm. Um, millisats aren't enforced by the protocol. Millisats don't exist.
1: They're just mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. a
0: cr- mm-hmm. they're a localized credit system where the mm-hmm. node tracks how much it owes you, and it and it, and it basically self-enforces this conversion rate from mm-hmm. one Satoshi to mm-hmm. a thousand millisats, and you don't you. The node could give you a different rate if it wanted. It could say one Satoshi equals 500 if you mm-hmm, want if it wanted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It could say, no, I'm not giving you any of these millisats. Like it's just totally a trusted credit system. So a lot of people think this has confused a lot of people because they think because millisats exist in lightning, that Bitcoin is divisible. But yeah. it's actually like just it's just a it's just a feature of lightning nodes to mm-hmm. track a credit, a credit system. That's all it is.
1: I mean, I think that's a fucking elegant design anyway because at some point in my mind at least that if if, and this might tie into bitcoin doesn't scale but assuming that bitcoin continues to grow and be accessible more globally is like nobody's going to be using uh, on-chain bitcoin transactions for commerce they they my my intuition has been that long term over the decades people move further and further away from actually. Interacting, sorry about the noise in the background. Interacting with the, um, interacting with Bitcoin, away from the base chain and more on these abstracted layers. Is, is that a, is that an accurate? Well, assumption? you have to be no? careful
0: because w- what you're saying it's definitely not elegant. That's definitely overstating it because it's just trust. In other words, it's a bank. It's mm-hmm. banking. That's all it is. It's just saying I'm only going to trust banks when the value is less than one satoshi. That's all it is. And so it's not elegant because we invented it, you know, thousands of years ago. It's, it's the, what we've always been doing is trusting somebody to hold credit for us. Um, and there are more, there's better ways to establish and express credit as well. For example, tether tokens, at least you have a bear instrument and a proof, and you can and, and you have evidence, you can say. I had this token, Tether said, I have this IOU, here is all the, the cryptographic data that proves I have this IOU and thus I have the rights to it. Um, and now Tether has fucked me or somebody has stolen this specific IOU that was mine. Like you have some sort of you know trackability to it. Whereas in Millisets, you don't have this, you don't get any, you have no proof. You just have your local state and whether or not that specific node will render those Satoshis to you. And so it's just it's totally a banking system among nodes, and this is okay. Trust. No, I'm not like later we'll talk about like that. I have I, I think trust is really cool, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think it's something that we should put inside of Bitcoin protocols or inside of you know Bitcoin paradigms. I think it's something that should be outside of it. Outside. Yeah. And so yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. This I agree with. I I think the the method via which that begins to regulate itself again, talking decades out is the the fact that you don't need to go and ask the central bank of Bitcoin for permission to maybe build out a solution that provides uh, a user the ability to use millisats is that you build it and if some other fuckwit scams someone use
0: the problem just because you put it in a lightning node protocol and a lightning node application doesn't suddenly make it legal. make it Mm -hmm. unregulated in other words you you might just be breaking the law and not know it that's all (laughs) and 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 further designs like this they become toxic because they people assume that they work the way they think they should work Mm -hmm. and so when like i said people think bitcoin is divisible because millisats exist and because if they had called that if they had called it something else and or explained that it was like you know bit credit or something. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. people wouldn't extend these misconceptions. The amount of trust, yeah, okay. Uh, and, and so then there's a misconception that it's, that it's even like a programmatic thing, that it's enforced. There's a misconception that it's Bitcoin at all. There's a misconception that Bitcoin is divisible. And so because you make these hacks in these designs and you misname them or you name them deceptively, um, you, you, it kind of like blows up into like a butterfly effect of bad things. And so I, I think it'd be much better if it, you know, people knew, hey, I have credit with this node. And that's how people thought of it. Um, that's okay. But again, why, why is this a lightning protocol thing? Why did the, I don't even understand why it's even a thing at all when nobody is spending one sat on anything. Like and so, and so, why would you need to sub SATs? <laughs> I
1: was about to ask you if this is just the cut before the horse situation, you know we're, we're scaling or, or we're doing these things too early when we don't even need them yet. you know we're still well this fundamentally- is,
0: this is this derives from another misconception, which is there are a lot of people that believe that in the use case of nano payments, you know not even not 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 just small payments but like super small payments, um you know, like machine to machine, nano payment, you know processing. They believe that there's actually some sort of use case and need to have value transferred between some type of peers or entities that would be so, so small that you could barely see it or track it. And I, to me, this is a huge misconception, just the cost of a computer cycle of sending, transmitting data. These things are all more expensive than a millisap most likely. And so they would, they would thus not be performed. Like you need batching, you need efficiency, you need some sort of sampling of behavior in order to make it affordable and practical. You can't just do everything at a nano granular, you know, analog smooth level. It's just not practical, especially when you're dealing with digital things, especially when you're dealing with Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. Okay. So, I think that's, um, that is, you know, perfectly logical for me. So let's, let's go back to, um, all scaling debases someone. So we spoke about this kind of reverse Cantillon effect in some sense, you know, the current holders take on the risk until something happens. So can we dig a little bit further into that? What, What do you mean by debasement in that statement specifically?
0: So a lot of the, the good morning tweets are meant to be like principles or axioms. Like they're meant to be, this is a dynamic that's present in Bitcoin and you need to, you need to respect this dynamic when you're making decisions about proposals in Bitcoin, about how you use Bitcoin, about your plans for you know, Bitcoin in your, in your business, whatever. Because most people are always looking for the bright and sunny side. They want to hear whatever will pump their bags. And so you, you have to you, you can't properly evaluate something unless you think about what the trade-offs are. And that's basically what the message is. It's that everything is trade-offs. That's 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 the message. And and particularly when it comes to scaling Bitcoin, because Bitcoin does not scale by design. Every single user is supposed to be running a node, and every that means every single user is supposed to be affected by every single thing. And if that's true, that means every time you make me do something. More than I used to do. It's going to cost me more, however abstractly or fractionally or whatever. And so, for example, adding lightning debased miners, and so that means that now miners have less access to fees because the blocks aren't full. Now, for generally users think this is good because they don't want Bitcoin to be expensive. Nobody wants you know transactions to cost five hundred dollars, but they also want their security to be in place, right? And so they also want um, it to be very difficult for people to change the ledger. And that, that's what I mean by security, by the way, which is that it, I don't, miners don't secure Bitcoin. Miners are there to, to submit new blocks with valid transactions inside. It's nodes that secure Bitcoin in the difficulty algorithm. And the only way the difficulty goes, algorithm goes up or stays high is if miners are submitting new valid blocks. And so nodes have to define the blocks and define what miners are. And we have to make sure that we have enough miners in place to keep the difficulty algorithm at at a high number, high enough number. Um, Because otherwise miners will submit invalid blocks or there'll be inconsistency in blocks or we'll have rollbacks. We'll basically have less of the the probable aspect of um, finality. And so, because that's another thing is Bitcoin Transactions never truly settle. They're they're just probably final, you know? Um, and so you need to be careful because if you say, okay, now all transactions are happening on Lightning, that means that miners are going to start to want to specifically target Lightning users to charge them more fees because they're going to want some sort of, you know, proportion of the cost of running the Bitcoin network because Lightning can't run without Bitcoin. And this is like all theoretical and stuff, but like, you know, there's a there's an ongoing debate, and it probably will never end until the the block reward is gone. But like, what will happen when the block reward ends? And and I believe that the fees will be high enough to justify, you know, mining, and because it's a very direct way to participate in the game, in the Bitcoin game, um, and and earn Bitcoin. And so, I I'm not worried, but I do think that if we keep making all these things that take fees away from miners. Um, you know, we keep scaling and scaling outside of the protocol that the miners will have less and less incentive to participate. And so we have, we do have to be careful.
1: So how do you, what do you think is a, is a intelligent way to counter that, um, potential tendency to keep extracting or debasing the miners, for example?
0: I mean, in general, conservatism of of changing Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In other words, it, it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, yeah. So that that's that's pretty good way to look at it. Um, at least it's it's practical. Um, maybe more elaborate, I would say, be very careful with, um, particularly things like scaling off chain with. Um, adding new features that compress transactions somehow, um, adding new features that somehow add more users but not to the base layer, be more open-minded about ways to scale that may be scary that are practical, uh, for example, like raising the block size. Um, if technology advances fast enough and gets cheap enough you know, over time, if running a node now you know, costs the equivalent of, you know, $5 of purchasing power. And it costs, and now running a node that has double the block size in 10 years has the same cost. There's not really an argument against raising the block size because now you can fit more and thus more of the fees will directly go into the the original game to miners and and the original players. The the one argument that
1: I can... The one argument that I can see though is that um it sets a precedent for doing so again and again because there's
0: that no such, is a-, a there's no such thing as a precedent. Like Bitcoin is what it is right now. The precedent is what you is is what you run in your node. That's just the the precedent is just this Bitcoin. There's no like moments in time where you can say, because we did this back then, we are we are fully justified to do it now. It, it, there's no precedent it's not there's no enforcement in bitcoin yeah, I mean, th- in other words sorry there's individual enforcement in bitcoin yeah so every single time you decide whether to run the next bitcoin upgrade or up bitcoin change and so there might be cultural precedent well
1: that's something. what i mean i mean a cultural precedent i don't mean a technical precedent because it's kind of like but that's you not know, what precedent means weird.
0: right like it's, it's a cultural event it's a cultural you know moment in history but precedent mm. means like you have some sort of argument, some sort of right in a in, a, in an authoritative situation. You can say, okay, so this precedent was set and now I can enforce based off of this precedent. Fair.
1: OK, so I mean cultural precedent in that sense, um, because that I think is actually dangerous, because in in some senses, Bitcoin is a is a cultural thing. Right. It's something that these you know, you have these people who are node operators who uh, have to make that decision. And part of their own decision making calculus is, well, if we did it before, why don't we just do it again?
0: But so there's, in other words, okay. But there's going to be times where that's the right answer, and times where that's the wrong answer. So, mm-hmm. what are you? What are you going to do? You're going to say, well, this precedent has been set. We can no longer do this, even if it's the right answer. Like, you can't make decisions that way. Like, that's not rational. So if if raising the block size right now is a bad idea, it doesn't mean it will be a good idea. I mean, it will be a bad idea in in five years. Like things change. The the future is not predictable. The environment is dynamic. Like we have to respond dynamically. This is why we have evolution and we make Mm -hmm. new technology. It's because things are always changing. The future is uncertain. And so I, for one, would much rather have um, a raw block size increase if needed obviously it's not needed right now the blocks aren't full um if needed then some sort of janky you know uh soft work that added a bunch of surface attack area to bitcoin or made it like had a bunch of like unforeseeable consequences because it added too much complication to bitcoin like there's no way to measure whether something is safe when you make bitcoin more complicated you just kind of put it out there and see if it doesn't break after a few years and that's that's the best you're going to have um even with like libsec p for example like everything you do like, there's no finality to that these things are safe. You just have to hope, you just assume they're safe with the more time that passes where somebody doesn't break them. And every time you keep doing a change and adding a thing, you add more uncertainty.
1: What's LibSecP?
0: It's like the the crypt, the cryptography library or such that's, that they updated and Bitcoin Core made themselves, but basically, mm-hmm. to, uh, to how you generate keys for Bitcoin keys. okay, okay. okay. Um,
1: would you so so in what you described then would you place segwit kind of in that bucket or not really in that bucket or kind of in a gray area that it may have been Which one of bucket? these janky uh the the janky you know backwards compatible soft fork version of
0: uh definitely um yeah we took huge risks with segwit and and on two and two uh two levels um one we did change the way that you know transactions were handled. We added a new transaction type and we've moved a lot of people to that transaction type. I could never be qualified to say, whether well, there's anything wrong with it other than that people I trust made it and I accepted it. I'm not a cryptographer. Mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. audit this stuff, um, but seems okay. seems to be working fine. <laughs> you know, It's been a few years. It's okay. But that doesn't mean that it's perfect, or that there's not some something wrong with how they implemented it, or, or that some new thing they implement might interact badly with it. Um, you just never know. They've added some surface area to Bitcoin, but the more important lesson there is that, like back when the Segwit 2x wars were happening, and I talked about this with Francis a couple weeks ago, um, I wasn't really advanced enough in my understanding of Bitcoin to quite realize. That even though we were all fighting against a block size increase and a hard fork to do it, um, really all we were fighting was the hard fork because we did increase the block size through mm-hmm. SegWit by adding. But, so basically, what we did was you have this concept of a SegWit block, and if you use SegWit transactions, you get basically uh, they change the 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 the, the way that. Uh, Fees were priced from being the size of the file, and, and they made the, the size of the, the data, and they gave it a discount if you use data that was uh, in a SegWit transaction. And so, thus, this indirectly created a SegWit block and a block size increase. Mm-hmm. And so, if you use SegWit and if you use native SegWit, you can get the block size up to something like 3.44 megabytes. Whereas before it's like, it was one megabyte limit, a hard limit, and so they so this increased again. This, they they literally increased the block size even more than what was what was proposed. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't really realize that Like some people were saying that it's technically a block size increase, but I just assumed that it was some sort of magic that like, okay, yeah, we'll get more transactions in there, but they're actually smaller. So it's like effectively a block size increase, you know, like I didn't really realize it was literally a block size increase. Um, And so now... Um, we have this, this situation where at some point all the blocks are going to be four megabytes or three point something megabytes. And that was not true before Segwit. And it was not required either. It was, mm-hmm. it was a compromise that was made by the elders of Bitcoin and foisted upon the ignorant. And, they, and we didn't have the capacity to decide and we had their, they had our trust. And so we all ran the upgrade. And that literally happens every software. Like you know, mm-hmm. like the percentage of people that can actually even understand the changes that are proposed in a software, like new features oh, and such, tiny, yeah, is so tiny. And yep. then the percentage of those people that actually audit it is, is another exponent or two tinier. And then the people that actually are like really really truly have the ability to do all these things audit the code write the code uh, think about all of the possible things that could go wrong with the code be trustworthy enough to to be diligent and actually enforce this i don't know five people on the planet maybe Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's like it's it's totally a trusted process and we just accept it and there's not that but there's no other way to disseminate changes in Bitcoin. And this is why we go back to like conservatism being important because yeah. you're just trusting the guy and he's trusting the next guy and he's trusting the guy before him. And it's just chain of trust. And I thought we were trying to get away from this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's it's funny, w- w- as you're saying that I, when I was in my early Bitcoin days, kind of like 2016, 2017 sort of time. And I, I remember, you know, the... What was Roger Ver's first attempt? Was it Bitcoin Unlimited? I mean, I'm sure he had maybe attempts before that, but kind of like,
0: I think it was between Bitcoin Unlimited. Unlimited, classic. Um, Oh, there was was another one, XT.
1: Yeah, XT. Actually, that's the one. That's the one. So I think it was kind of between XT and Bitcoin Cash where I I had the same epiphany as you, as I was like, it seems like we're never going to get away from trust. And I wrote this like little article, and this was when I was like literally completely fucking unknown. And I was like, we're never going to get away from trust because all we've got is concentric circles of trust is that you know i trust and andreas Antonopoulos because at the time he was like you know the authority um and then you know he trusts someone else and then you know kind of like i imagine these concentric circles of trust that we're never going to get away from because that's effective it's it's impossible for everyone to know everything and you know, anyway, as you're saying that I'm, I'm actually just imagining myself because I remember writing that when I was in the gym in Brisbane and I was doing bench press, I can actually fucking see myself, um, see myself there. And I guess
0: this is why I mentioned P because um, I had a friend when I was living in Romania, really, really smart guy. And he was, you know, I was talking to him about like trust and, and cryptography and you know, changing this this same topic we're talking about now. Um, actually, it was during the Segwit wars um, and all this that we were talking about like the nitty gritty of these things. And he said to me, you know, even cryptography is trusted. He's just saying, you mm-hmm, know, like mm-hmm. people don't really know for sure. And what happens is, cryptographers like they use something for like ten years and they just decide that that's like long enough that it's it's trusted now. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they find later that it was not, you know, trustable, that there was some flaw in it, that it was able to be, you know, uh, decrypted. And mm-hmm. we find this out regularly, like, oh, this algorithm that, you know, NSA invented, you know, that was totally not, you know, backdoored actually was backdoored, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so this, this, you know, I don't know if he gave me the concept or if I derived it from him, but basically the idea is literally everything is reputational literally everything Mm, in existence mm -hmm, is trusted mm -hmm. it's because what we are is we are observing what's around us and even what we observe is not totally like we trust our brain and our brain like fills in information and does all kinds of weird things so we don't go crazy like and we're all just like floating in space and you know the, the the abyss and we're just like getting all these signals, and we're, we're establishing patterns and reputations, so we can maneuver in some and sort of probable yeah. way. Yeah. And, and so, like gravity, we trust that it's that it has laws and all of physics. But if it changes, it won't be that like you know science was wrong. It'll be that something changed, and yeah. now you can't trust what was science before is no longer science it's history and so it's like everything any literally anything is possible and you don't know what reality is until you observe it and can confirm it and you have other people mutually confirming it with you like i just everything is a reputation of patterns that are observed Hmm. couldn't
1: agree more to to tie off um the the previous thing on SegWit and janky upgrades. So, so in your mind, do you think there exists a greater risk? So, so let's say we get to the point where this new 3.2, 3.4, 3.6 megabyte, you know, implied or literal block size is full. Um, and we we come up against another sort of ceiling of throughput, Do you think there is a lower risk in doing something more simplistic, like a hard fork doubling of the block size versus doing another janky Segwit-esque type of soft fork? Is that kind of your position?
0: So I'd like to remove janky from the record because how I was using it was not necessarily... Risky is what I meant, is what I'm mm-hmm, trying to mm-hmm, communicate mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. this concept. Janky implies that it's done poorly or badly. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah Okay. And poor craftsmanship. Um, so I, I think that the people that made Segware are talented, you know, developers and engineers. And so I I would say risky is is what we're talking about. Um and I would say, like, for example, like Luke Jr. or Luke Dasher has a uh uh reputation for being able to have being able to figure out how to do things as softworks. Mm. And so, you know, we have the we do have these kind of wizards, you know, at the helm here. Um, and we do trust them, but they are kind of wizards sometimes. And yeah. so people like GMAX, people like uh, like Luke, like they often find figure out that there are ways around the hard limits of Bitcoin, often. Um, but that doesn't mean there always will be. But we do know that there is block size. Like we could just change the weighting and you know, we could have more SegWit blocks. There's, there's got to be more ways to increase block size without hardworking. So okay. that's been discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you could do the same thing with the quantity of Bitcoin or the quantity of UTXOs or the amount yeah. of users per UTXO, these remain to be discovered or maybe they're impossible. Um, but that is the real issue is if, we, if the blocks become full and it's deemed too dangerous to make them any bigger for some reason, um, then what do we do? Well, I would say leave them full for a while. Let, let's, let's see what load lightning can take mm-hmm. off and see how, mm-hmm. the, how, how that affects things. By then we'll probably have more types, we'll have more lightnings and more other things, probably uh, different ways of abstracting you know, more transactions into or compressing transactions into ETXOs. Um, Let's Let's lean on those and see where it goes. But even those will have limits because mm-hmm. you need to make an on-chain transaction to make a lightning channel. And if the blocks are full, that becomes less reliable and less dependable because mm-hmm. you might not be able to close your transaction when you want to. Or you mm-hmm. might be able not be able to easily enforce the closing of your channel. And so... The, the, these states are tricky, um, yeah. and 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 so I don't know what the best answer will be because I don't know what the problem is yet. And yeah. Okay. The full field of the problem is, and I'm also not the one totally qualified to design a solution. Maybe by then I will be. I don't know. But at the moment, I would say Bitcoin conservatism is okay um, as long as Bitcoin isn't broken. Then it's okay. But we do definitely run the risk of people fleeing Bitcoin if they don't like the state of the network in other words if it costs $100 to open a channel and that they and, and and they can't get more than $100 worth of value out of that channel then they won't open channels and they won't do bitcoin transactions and mm-hmm. they'll go to some other more trusted more risky medium that they can afford and so this is this is like a big fork of philosophy between bitcoin people is there are some people that believe that some people will have to use custodial Bitcoin. That that they they will have to use. They there will be second-class citizens essentially. There'll be people who hold their own keys, and there'll be people who have, hold IOUs. Um, <laughs> this is already popular. Um, many many people, most people that have Bitcoin hold them as IOUs. Um, so that trend probably will continue, or maybe it won't. You know, I don't know. We'll see. It depends how trustworthy the people holding the Bitcoin are. You know, uh, over time. But I don't like that path because I just feel like what's going to happen is like, if we still have authority and we still have custody and the majority of people under custody, we'll have the majority of people able to be treated as slaves and, and censored and, you know, controlled. And that means that the people that will get the most Bitcoin will be the people with the most power and the most people under their control. And then all the Bitcoin will just end up owned by the government. And it's like, what kind of outcome is that? If it's like Elon Musk and and Jack Dorsey and the government owning all the Bitcoin, like that's, that's not cool. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. even, even if I'm one of them, even if I hold enough Bitcoin where I become like, oh, wow, like it's the year, you know, 20, you know, John's 80 years old and he still has one whole Bitcoin. He's like a god, (laughs) you know, like, 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 even if that's the case. It's not going to be a world most people are happy with, you know what I mean? I might be happy with it, but most people won't be because it'll be like, you know, the 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 fifty OG Bitcoiners that still have still hold their own keys and still manage to afford to be able to hold their own keys and use Bitcoin, and then the the two hundred odd governments that hold the rest of the Bitcoin, and basically they'll just end up killing us and taking our Bitcoin too. Like, it's not a good outcome. You need you need. I believe that the outcome to design for is as, as as many people using Bitcoin as possible. The more people use it, the more valuable it is. And and I won't say at any cost or at any stakes, but I will say that is definitely needs to be our north star, and we need to be constantly striving for it. Hmm.
1: On on the government owning and holding the Bitcoin piece, I've I've been of the opinion that their capacity to um custody themselves is precarious because of the nature of bitcoin custody it's it's it gets quite complex when you have multiple hands in the fucking in the jar and you know you have to kind of create a process i mean it's hard enough for a bloody company to do it let alone a a, a large institution like a government which is generally run by morons so
0: I think it's a problem they already deal with. Um, You know, somebody has to have the key to the gun case. Somebody has to Mm -hmm. sign the check. Somebody has to be the contact point for, you know, to approve shooting a missile like there's there's a process to approvals and authority and they've had to deal with it for a long time there's certainly deception within and they probably have to deal with it but that's what violence is for that's this is what they leverage they leverage their ability to coordinate violence mm. and you can't escape violence with a key like with a, with a, with a private key like that doesn't protect you from violence it
1: doesn't yeah it doesn't protect you from violence but um it also um, violence doesn't. I guess in some ways it manages incompetence, perhaps. But you know, like I guess co- incompetence and complexity are hard to you know manage with violence. And and I feel like that's um, you know that that's something that at least individuals have in their corner with the advent of Bitcoin is that it is much harder as an sorry it is much easier as an individual to custody.
0: Yeah. <laughs> This is another cultural thing I don't really agree with about big Bitcoiners is, is we all think we're all fucking geniuses because we discovered a Bitcoin before somebody else, mm-hmm. and that's just not true. Like, running a node is fucking easy. Understanding how to hold a seed is fucking easy. Understanding multi sig is easy. Like, you just have to actually care, and that's it. Mm-hmm. There are going to be millions of people that understand this stuff and can deal with it. So I don't think incompetence is, is a real thing. I don't think I don't like this idea that you know like my grandmother is a monkey and she can't like hold her own fork like it's i actually have an article i wrote about this um you know it's the the grandma's razor fallacy it's like just basically like everybody like likes to pretend like oh my my grandmother can't use it it's not it's not good you know it's too hard for my grandmother it's not good it's like people just say this because like they think people are idiots and people are monkeys and that they're geniuses it's a very like strange concept to think that you are so much more exceptional than most people it's it's true to some degree but it's not but mm-hmm. this is then this is dunning kruger stuff like it's mostly not true <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's most like the amount of people that are truly special is like a very small percentage and for and, it's, and in bitcoin it's like most people in Bitcoin think they are at this, you know.
1: Totally, totally. That that's that's kind of not my not my position. My my position is more about um in general, individuals have an advantage over any form of group with respect to custody. Would you is is that a statement you'd agree with or no?
0: Oh uh, I see what you mean. I thought you meant something else. I, yeah. in, in the way I thought, first thought you might, I would say no way. Um, a group is always going to squash an individual. Um, but as far as like securing Bitcoin as a group, yeah, I mean you, you can only make a multisig so big before it becomes impractical. Um, but you can certainly gate things and have time locks and have different ways of you know gating the access and and and. know but these are like i said these are problems that they always have it's not bitcoin didn't bring this problem to them bitcoin digitized the ability to manage this problem Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it probably made this problem more manageable in some cases like you know you could have cryptography involved with anything to do with value if you wanted whereas before i might be able to like wipe out the the you know, the, the, the FBI bank account if I act maliciously, you know what I mean? And the only consequence is that I go to jail for the rest of my life or, or they kill me. Um, whereas now they can make it so I can't do this at all unless somebody commiserates or, or you know conspires with me. Um, like you need a literal digital you know, participation. And so in some ways it could be better. In some ways it could be worse. I don't know, but it's not a new problem. They have to deal. Mm. Somebody has to hold the key to the safe. Somebody has to, you know, administer things already. Yeah. It's a, Somebody I mean, it's has to watch over the gold, you know, like it's, it's just everything is physical in the end.
1: Everything is physical. It's just that, you know, most things physical like you know those watching over the gold it's, it's very hard to sneak away with fucking a little bit of gold um or or a billion dollars worth of gold it's you know the yeah I, d- I just feel like they're um
0: but it's hard to sneak away with a billion dollars in bitcoin too like because it the is. transaction is is public you see it on chain and now where are you going to spend that bitcoin they can track where you spend it like mm, it's mm. there's there's a lot of uh a lot of nuance here
1: there there is a lot of nuance it's kind of like the 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 gaps and they'll still put you
0: in jail forever and they'll still kill you like you you still have to escape your human body you know Mm. what i mean even if you do manage to steal the bitcoin like you still have to face the consequences
1: unless you're a revolutionary who's willing to go down and you delete the private key and then you get shot and you take the whole fucking system down
0: yeah um then, then they probably have the Bitcoin divvied up or something. You know, I, I don't think I don't think we should spend our time designing how the government can safely hold Bitcoin. Though,
1: <laughs> um, what's your what's your position on Jeremy Rubin's push for the stuff he wants to do?
0: Um, if you don't already know, I am notoriously the first person against CTV and the longest standing person against CTV. I've been against it for years um i do not trust jeremy and that's Mm -hmm. the biggest reason that i'm Mm -hmm. against it but all of the other reasons you know that we discussed just as a value i'm conservative Mm -hmm. i don't think bitcoin is a place for features Mm -hmm. you know if if if, uh, he were proposing something that were practical and simple just for outright scaling bitcoin or or adding more users and not trying to make something that is ultimately like a hackathon project Mm -hmm. um, and his, his arguments are like nobody is against it nobody has found a flaw in it so add it but it's like also nobody asked for it and also nobody mm-hmm. needs it like and so why why add it like why would i want to add this this complication to bitcoin if i don't personally have a use case for it and i don't um but more importantly just You get a feel for these things and and like, you know, I've been in Bitcoin since 2012 and I've seen Jeremy before. Like I've seen like Hearn, I saw Gavin, like these are all the same kind of people. You can't Mm -hmm. tell if they're spooks, Mm -hmm. you can't tell if they're stupid, you can't tell if they're evil. You just can't tell because, but what you can tell is you can see their tells. Like you can, this you can tell, like you can see this person is aggressively pushing something that is not actually, no imperative like it's just Mm -hmm. this person is injecting himself into conversations where nobody asked him he's he's like he's trying to you know just just general aggression you know he tried to inject ctv during the taproot activation and he was like annoying vlad vanderland and like other people and and he had like he was already starting to assemble a legion of other people that were of questionable trust and he has like always kind of been this guy like suggesting things like he suggested the Binance rollback when they lost some Bitcoin. I don't know if you remember that, but he's, really? he always has these? Yes to that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. He like advised them. He was like, here's how you could do it on on Twitter. And he made this thread about how they could like bribe miners to roll back the chain to get their money back and then they get in other words, it would cost them less to do this. And it was like he just always uh, he wants to remove dust limits and things like that. He just always wants to do these things that you could say are controversial, but really they're just like they're disruptive and they're risky, and there's just it's just the wrong person to be tinkering with Bitcoin, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll 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 balance this by saying I went to his hackathon in Austin, and I thought he did a really good job, and he's a, he's very well spoken, and he seems to be a very intelligent person. I just think his motives, for whatever they may be, lie outside of Bitcoin.
1: <laughs> Do you think it's kind of like the um? you know, the, the, and I don't know, Jeremy, I, th- I think I was at that uh, hackathon as well, actually. Um I kind of view sometimes, you know, statists and bureaucrats, for example, as those people who can't help but like prod and touch something to kind of justify the fact that they're in a position of some authority and they need to kind of show that they're working on something or do something. It's kind of like the you know the the central planner who has to like you know the thing's not broken but they need to come in and you know show how they can like fix the thing that's not broken and it's kind of like the the do-gooders basically
0: do you kind of think it's that many people want to leave their mark um Mm -hmm. yeah and and i think that just sometimes maybe it's the difference between exploiters and producers you know like there are people who want to leave their mark because they actually want to like have a positive effect on reality on on humans on the race and there are people who want to leave their mark just because they feel like they don't matter if they don't they need they need their Mm -hmm. own sense of self-worth to be within their mark and these are very close to the same thing one just one is willing to burn other people to do it and one is is trying to help other people when they do it and you know while if either one of those modes is wrong there's really no difference because you can't distinguish you know malice from ignorance mm, Victim, mm. um, but this is just me. i don't know i am 43 years old my gut has gotten to be pretty fucking good and i trust it and i i'm certain i am right on this situation and that might sound like caveman logic or ignorant or judgmental i just don't care like this mm-hmm. is this is how i see it and i know i have zero risk of taking this position because i don't need his fork i don't need his trust and i don't need the trust of the people that feel the need to trust someone like him so mm-hmm. i'm fine i'm gonna take this position and i'm gonna keep it him.
1: yeah i uh Thank you for that explanation I, I i think i recall you mentioning something about him when we were at the um at the thing but i but i wasn't sure of your position because i don't get mixed up in that shit. it's the the technicalities of these things are above my pay grade but i subscribe to your position on conservatism i, I actually think that to a large degree like we shouldn't do anything else to bitcoin and I mean, your your position about adapting at some point when it's needed. I I guess I can take that on board, but I don't know. I I still don't.
0: I think you ha- you can't be reasonable without accepting that that things might change. And so yeah. whenever whenever I talk this way, people say, "Oh, you believe in ossification? You think if we could just never change Bitcoin again?" It's like. No, that's not what I said. I just said, like, we should be, like, super, super scared to change things. We should understand that every time we change something, it's an entirely trusted process. That every time we change something, we're probably, that affects scale, we're probably debasing somebody and taking some kind of risk. Like, there's just so many pitfalls and so many ways this could go wrong or unexpectedly that you should avoid it at all costs. It doesn't mean that you should never do it. It just means that if you are going to work on this type of thing, you should be prepared for your work to not get realized for 10 years. Like, you, like people, when, when it's time for your thing, it, then it might get added or it might be, we might be glad that you made it. But the time for your thing isn't when you're done making it. The time for your thing is when Bitcoin wants it, when Bitcoin yeah, calls. Yeah.
1: You know? Thank you for listening to the Wake Up Podcast. Find us on the Fountain app and send us a boost with a comment. I'll try and read the new tweet and send you a shout out. And remember to grab a copy of the Uncommunist Manifesto and join us in defeating the plague that is consuming our world. <laughs>